nothing he said was out of line, I don't think. He was kind of stating his case that he thought the pitch was low, and um, he was on his way back to the dugout. So um, at that point, um, usually you kind of just let a star player go back to the dugout. What he said I don't think warranted an ejection. I know what I said did, but um, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. But I you hate seeing you know, guys kind of doing what they, what they should and still being run. That was John Schneider, the manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Really, uh, you shouldn't really be laughing after a 4-3 loss to the Cleveland Guardians, but uh, that was John Schneider discussing George Springer's ejection from the game. And, of course, wouldn't you know it, uh, the last out of the game was made by Paul DeYoung, who was came into the game after Springer was ejected. And I'm going to get this out of the way right now. It resulted in Dan Schulman saying the six words no Blue Jays fan ever wants to hear. It is up to Paul DeYoung. Sorry, I've been saving. I just wanted, I wanted to get that out of the way. You wrote that down. I did write it down. Look, I did. It <laughs> I is because I wanted to make sure I it was bet. six words. Now, Barker <laughs> tried to convince me it was seven because he thought DeYoung was two words. But anyhow, there you go. Uh, it is Blair and Barker. Hey, oh, Barker's Blue Jays lost yeah. 4-3 to the Cleveland Guardians today. Boy, did they stink at the plate. <laughs> there is no other way to put it. I mean, there is, and I, can't, I cannot candy coat it. That was... It's like Groundhog Day. Well, it is. It, it it's, is. It, yeah, it, it very much is like Groundhog Day. I mean, look at the notes in this. This is like notes I've taken on my scorebook from about crappy at bat. Basically just nonsensical, um, wasteful at bats. Again, this, this, this team, chronic inability to come through when it counts. Uh, I, you know, I mean, I'll look at, well, I mean, start pretty much anywhere, but I look at, I look at the, uh, the sixth inning, I'm sorry, the seventh inning two on, God, I got so upset when I, when I started doing this two on, no, sorry, bases loaded. Alejandro Kirk comes. I just, this, this just annoys me. Well, I, I beat Alejandro Kirk. Alejandro Kirk comes up to the plate because Danny Jansen got hit in the hand for the 5,000th time this year. Uh, I want to talk to you about that in a minute, Barker. That's an easy one. Uh, anyhow, an update, x-rays were, uh, were negative. But uh, so, so Kirk comes up to the plate. There's a 10-pitcher. All he's got to do is hit a freaking fly ball. Mm, that's it, huh? Deep enough to score again. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Um, a weak pop-up to the shortstop in shallow right field. But here's the thing. It was a 10-pitch at bat. And the next time somebody tells you, oh, my goodness, he battled. He swung at ball four at least twice. Mm. Uh, and, and that would have that would have tied the game. I, I mean, and then, of course, Davis Schneider. Boy, is the blue member off that rose fast. Davis Schneider came up and uh, struck out swinging. The Jays lose 4-3. They split a series with the Cleveland Guardians. They go home for three games against. What do you, well, I'm telling you, it is. They come home for a three-game series against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Alec Manoa was not great today, but my, my goodness, give the dude some run support. Like, give a brother a hit, will you? Yeah, the the Noah Syndergaard. Oh, <laughs> that that that's a tough take. Like, just give me give me give me the Syndergaard numbers because you read well, this off not, to me. It's not really numbers. He th- he throws six pitches. Five of those. That's these are the numbers. Bat, bat, batter slug five hundred or better against five of the six pitches that he throws. 
that's really all you need to know, right? It's it's he throws awful. a lot of balls that don't break at not high velocities. A lot of the times in the middle of the plate that big league hitters should most of the time be hitting really hard in the big part of the field. And that was sort of the thing coming in, right? Is you 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 battled, you clawed, you 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 won two out of three. You're coming in, you know, you're facing Noah, who's I mean, just been getting lit up like Christmas morning. And for whatever reason, you're overswinging on the fastball. I mean, the 90-91 to the Blue Jays hitters oh, looked like it was 102, 103. Matt like, Chapman, that first inning fouls off. I yeah, mean, Vladdy looks like he's cheating to get the 90-91. I mean, that's he's starting to not wear batting gloves. Like there's you're starting to see Alejandro Kirk looks like he's cheating, opening up the front side. Like the bat's dragging now. Like you're seeing guys sort of go outside the box and do things that we're normally not used to seeing. And that's, I don't want to say that's alarming. That's alarming. But it's, 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 it's alarming because it's, it's August 10th. It, it, well, it's a little confusing. It's just, by, by now you should be in tune with, right, if something doesn't feel right, what do you go to to make it feel better? And if it's not, what, what do you go to to give yourself a chance to be competitive? And, you know, is Alejandro Kirk competitive with the bases loaded? Didn't look to me like he was, right? It's It doesn't look to me like Vladdy. I mean, he got some decent pitches to hit. And Vladdy, for whatever reason, all of a sudden... Isn't ready to hit. I'm ready to hit strong. I, that's mm. That may not be the right way to say mm. it. I mean, he was taking some healthy cuts on eighters. Looks to me like the timing's all screwed up. He's got a lot of moving parts. Like, a lot of moving parts. And... But yet not enough, you say. You say. You'd no, like to see him. No, right? I'd, no like I, to, I'd like to see him eliminate some hand movement, okay. which wherever he starts his hands, start your swing from there. You, know, you, you, don't, you don't have to have both of those things moving in sequence, right? Just because I gather with my lower half doesn't mean my hands have to gather. I can swing from where I start my barrel. Like, all I got to do is know where the barrel is at. If I want to roll it in a circle to be able to feel where it's at so I know when I start my positive move towards the baseball, I know where the barrel's at. Like, I can adjust, and now my eyes can direct that barrel. That's why you roll it in a circle is to try and keep rhythm and know where it's at. So that's sort of internally telling your eyeballs to where to direct that barrel to where that ball is at, right? It's, every ball's not thrown down the middle. So occasionally you're going to have to adjust with your hands and your eyes. That's why people have rhythm with their hands to know where that thing's at, and that's me. Why do that little – It's we're far enough into this thing now. What he's doing is not good enough. Like, let's be honest now. Like, it's just not good enough. So the adjustment is how do you sort of eliminate parts – Coming into today's game, Vladdy was 56th in Major League Baseball with 24.28 at-bats between home runs. And if you really want to scare the living hell out of yourself, go look at Vladdy's numbers at home with the Blue Jays. Subtract the numbers from the minor league ballparks he played in during COVID and think about those numbers. He's 35th in total bases. Vladdy is at uh Yeah, he's at, not at, having at the year we thought he would have. And, and, and the thing... Is, that is a little alarming, is when you talk elite about a hitter, those usually mean that they can make adjustments way quicker and you don't see the same bad whatever that is. Sometimes it looks like approach. Sometimes it looks like parts. Sometimes it looks like bad timing. Like there's a bunch of different things 
consistently that you see with him that you wonder. Being able to throw 90 right by him will make you wonder, won't it? A little, like Noah Syndergaard threw him 90, 91. Center cut about as middle, middle as you can get it. Right by him. I mean, Noah Syndergaard looked at times like he was stunned that they didn't hit. They don't have great stuff, right? And he's battling to throw. That's why he's got six different pitches. And, you know, it's... Want to talk about George Springer getting ejected uh, in a game in which the Jays, of course, the lineup's already without Bo. Kevin Kiermeyer's on the IL. Danny Jansen's just been taken out of the game after being hit by a pitch. George Springer gets ejected for arguing balls and strikes. I mean, it was a 96-mile-an-hour pitch. It either caught the very, 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 very tip of the zone or it just missed it. It was a good pitch, is your point. It was a good pitch. It was. It was a good pitch. Look, I'm not going to criticize a guy for showing emotion. We saw that from Alejandro Kirk, too, after that at bat. But, I, Kevin, if you're George Springer, yeah, you've got to have a little bit of court awareness here, don't you? Your, your team is without your, your team's without your best hitter, um, it, one of its real good left-handed hitters. Like, I understand guys don't mentally, it doesn't roll through their mind, oh, I better not say anything because Bo isn't here and Kevin isn't here and Danny's been hurt. But that really left the Jays. Look, you're finishing the game with Merrifield, Varsho, Guerrero, DeYoung, Chapman, Kirk, Schneider, Nathan Lucas who got the start, Kevin Biggio on the field. I mean, and, and those guys all, right, came up in the eighth and ninth inning for the most part. I don't know. I, 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 was, I was really disappointed in that. And good, good on John Schneider for sticking up for his player. And I get John's point. You know, George was walking back to the dugout. It wasn't like an instant ejection from the umpire. George was walking back to the dugout. Uh, Yes, he was talking. Yes, he was upset. But he had his back to the umpire. Mm -hmm. Normally, normally an umpire, I don't think an umpire would toss a guy for that unless he said something really egregious, which we didn't hear. Mm -hmm. I kind of find that hard to believe with George Springer. But again, that he didn't say something wrong. Yeah, yeah, one of those it. magic words. I, I've, been, that, I've been in those. One of those thoughts. magic words. It's that impossible gets you not to say a magic word. Okay, I guess. <laughs> Let's it, be honest. It's impossible. My when you're point, fired my point up, is though, thought, you're in a. You're supposed to help. Carry my point a team. is though, you yeah, you you've mm-hmm. you've put your team. They're already shorthanded. They can't score runs to save their lives, and uh, you know, and and you've you've put them in a worse situation. Anyhow, four uh, three, the Guardians beating the. Blue Jays today. Alec Manoa, start. Um, again, get the dude some runs. Uh, he scuffled. I didn't think his he, – it just seemed out of – I mean, he was fussing around with the mound a lot. Um, yeah. He looked – he was – you noticed he was kind of falling off awkwardly. It, it just it didn't look in sync yet. You know what? He left the game. How many runs he gave, he gave up? Was it three or four runs? Three runs? Four runs? Mm. I mean, it, it wasn't like an it wasn't an awful outing. It wasn't as good as his last one, but you could kind of tell, couldn't you, that he just wasn't for whatever reason it wasn't working today. Yeah, three three walks, two of those scored. He How many three ball six, counts did six, he have? By six, the way, three, six three ball counts. Yeah, 
Uh, he was 12 and 19, throwing strike one. He gave four hits. He had six strikeouts. The elevated fastball was good against lefties, right? When he's facing seven lefties in a lineup, no matter what those lefties look like or whatever they do, glove side fastballs, both of them, that front hip two seamer and the elevated four seamer glove side have to be almost par on par. The backdoor slider all of a sudden, because he's trying to do a couple of things now with the slider is have a little bit more 12-6 break to one of them. That's a way to a lefty. He's going to try and backdoor the the slider to lefties to try and steal strikes. The changeup has to be better. Like a lot of things against seven lefties have to be really good. And when it's not, it sort of looks the way it looks. That's the only thing that I that I I don't want to pick at this. Like they're not scoring runs. Like I mean, there's a lot of things. Just so what it is. Yeah, yeah. But I but I, I I just think the 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 visible frustration. I think enough of that's enough, right? And, like, you've been around long enough. You had success long enough to fight through it. Like, so sometimes you'd rather a big leaguer, and I'm going to underline that word, big leaguer, that if he's struggling, you don't really know he's struggling. Like, yeah, you know, you can tell. Like, it's just not breaking the way it's supposed to be breaking. But if I watch him, I don't really know I'm gonna he's struggling. Because mentally, use... I want that dude to beat that yeah. guy standing on the on-deck circle. If I'm standing on the on-deck circle and I'm watching Alec Manoa do his thing on the mound today, I'm scared of that? Absolutely no. not. Just because of the way he's acting and falling off and <clears throat> flipping it out in front. I mean, he does that a lot anyway. But he was doing it a lot more today. And that's that's the only one thing that, I mean, I'm with you. Score more runs. Like the Noah Syndergaard. Score yeah. more That's all you need yeah, to say. I don't, Score I don't, more runs. I don't lay this. And this would have helped. I mean, I ain't laying any. I don't lay a, any of this. It's very hard I to don't lay, lay any, any of these this. losses at the pitchers. I, absolutely. I mean, there's I every really once don't. in a while a guy I have a stinker. But most for the most part, you know, that that's the only one thing. Um, I just, I you know, he's a, he's, a, he's a good dude. He's a good pitcher. Those, I think, are everybody goes through this. I went through that. I was not very good at it. Like you, where you have to learn how to not be visibly frustrated. It's hard. Like you're trying to beat a lot of people before they get to the plate. I was trying to beat that pitcher before I walked to the plate. You don't want to show that. And I've had pitchers tell me, I could look on the on-deck circle. No, I got you. That's I don't, not what you want. Yeah, and I don't want to throw, uh, I don't want to turn this into a throw Davis Schneider under the bus uh, segment. But he... He did not make a play. Yeah, the ground that has ball, to be that, a ground ball from, big from Arias. Has to make that. Sorry, Arias or Calhoun. It was Calhoun. He's, he's got to make that play. It was a four-three, but he had. I clearly had a shot at Rookie. It at was. Home. It was hit hard enough that you make it clean. You make a strong throw. The runner at thirds out. Like it's the play's home. A big, a big lead. Absolutely. A big. He's. You know. He. It's catch it first. Throw it to your target. Like, it's baseball 101, and those are things, right, is everything at the big league level because these dudes are a half a step quicker. Mm-hmm. They do. They hit the ball uh, just a little bit harder. Like, you got to be on par with everything mechanically that you do, and you got to think it through before it actually happens. That's baseball 101, right? He's been around long enough to know that. But it's little things like that, that if you don't do it because you're not scoring runs on the road. It's magnified. You get beat. Uh, Danny Jansen gets hit by a lot of pitches. Why? 
Yeah, well, there's a couple of reasons. And mostly on the, on the the hand or the first, forearm, right? First reason to pull hair, you got to leave with your hands. You okay. got to catch that thing out front. Like, you got two different plates. You got the original one, you got an imaginary one. If I hit the baseball on the original one, I'm hitting that not where I want it to go. I got to hit that thing out in front of it. So I got to lead with my hands. I got to get that out front. So I'm clearing my front, my lower half to allow myself to be able to do that. What's the pitcher trying to do? He's trying to get him to chase balls in off the plate. That's what you do to pull hitters. You don't throw them in. You throw them in off the plate. So that way, if they hit something hard, they're yanking that thing 7,000 feet foul. Steve, rack one. That's what they're trying to do, right? So it's sort of, if you're going to be a pull hitter, get used to it. Like, this is just the way it's going to be because that's how they're that's how they're going to get you out. They They're hunting ways. You know, mm-hmm. you got... 15 homers and a few at-bats, they're going to hunt ways to try and get you out, and that's the way you do it. I've all, It's always been that way. I mean, it's just all of a sudden didn't happen right. that khakis are trying to invent ways to get a pull hitter out. It's in off the plate. It's not in. It's in off the plate because that's a very hard ball to take because I'm a pull hitter. I see it in. I want to swing at it. Yeah. Like, I want to be aggressive with my hands. And that's why he gets hit right as he starts exposing his hands because they're trying to combat him pulling it. And if he does get it out and hit it hard, it's way foul. So, I mean, that's a pretty easy thing. I I, I don't think you fix it. He is what he is. Like yeah. there's no, I wasn't saying nice I wasn't saying here. that. I, I I wasn't saying that as if it's something he has to fix. It's it's just it's it's basically a cost of doing business the there way he go. does business. There right? you go. Basically, wear, wear more gear. Wear more stuff. I mean, he's already wear got more. padding on the... Wear more. I'm sure they got more. <laughs> I'm sure they do. Have, him make, the, have him make him more. It's the major leagues. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I, I wondered about that because he does get he does get hit a lot. Uh, if you joined late, uh, Danny Jansen did leave the game after getting hit by a pitch. Uh, the x-rays were negative, according to uh, John you know, Schneider. You notice, right now, it is just being called a right-hand yeah, You notice he gets hit a lot on his right hand. You all know how it is? He, he's a guy trying to lead with the back elbow, right? It's when I played, you wanted to lead with your bottom hand, whichever one that was, right? I was left-handed. I would lead with my right hand. I wanted that barrel to be the last thing they see. Now... All these guys, because of how hard they throw and there's no fastball counts, they want to get the barrel way back behind their body in the zone and leave it in there. So the, the only way you do that exposed. is to lead with your back elbow, right? You want to lead with that first. That's the first thing you see, and then that keeps the barrel in the hitting zone longer. That's why you're starting to see him hit, get hit in the right hand yep. instead of the left hand is because that's the first thing that's exposed. So you got one guy on the mound trying to do this to you because that's the easiest way to get him out and then you got another guy trying to do it by his strength which is get it in there as quick as you can keep it in there as long as you can and yank that thing as far as you can so so it's like you said it's price of doing business we will have john schneider on tomorrow and we will ask him this question then Uh, you've bought up davis schneider you've made well i mean paul de you made the trade for defense but you've thrown, you've juggled the batting order around about as much as you can, I guess, other than putting Whit Merrifield in the cleanup spot. Whit Merrifield had another two hits. He hit another two hits today, by the way. Bring Bo back and put and, him and in put, the three hole. Put him in the three hole. Yeah. But is there, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of dudes at AAA and Spencer Horowitz and Addison Barger, and we saw the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were put up during yes. the Blue Jays game. Um, they're making contact. 
Can they hit a heater? That's the only thing. I, I haven't seen those numbers. I mean, I saw the numbers that say say what they say. Can they hit a heater with a dude standing on second? Like, that's – if the answer is yes, call them up. Like, play them. I think that's just where they're at offensively. Like, it's – if that dude can help you somewhere, he's probably not going to hit the top of the order. No. But he could hit sixth, seventh, or eighth, right? A Dalton Varsha is going to hit somewhere right in there, seven, eight, and nine. So, you're going to mix that in somewhere. If that guy – can hit a fastball with a runner in scoring position, call him up. Put him on the team somewhere. I, for me, that's where they're at. Like they, you, Jeff, you watch the game. Yeah. Like it's games. They're not, this afraid, wasn't just one they're not afraid to throw the hater to every single one of these no. guys, every single one of them. And we're, as, as we, we talked about this last night as well. Now the first two, the first two games, they had, they, they faced some pretty good pitching. Gavin, that, Gavin Williams. That liked the hater. That like they're the going to throw it to you. They'll throw it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, Logan Allen. And and uh, and and Noah Syndergaard, I, there was a lot of very hittable ninety one ninety two that guys were late on, yeah, or didn't even swing at. And hittable pitches, pitches, you know, like you've showed me, it almost makes you, you almost makes your eyes explode when you see where the pitch is on the, uh, you know, in the MLB.com app. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's that I hate to bring this up to it, this Chapman in the first inning of the three pitches, basically all three of those. I mean, it's two cur- two curveballs yeah. and a fastball. That Noah basically ran up there and just said it. I I hate to bring those things up because it's not like Matt's not trying. Like and he plays every day. I, I that's that's the hard thing here. So what is it? Is it they they can't? Like I I don't think that's what it is because we've seen these guys do it before. I if we're having this much trouble finding out what it is, and you're starting to see people like Kirky who never show. Frustration, showing it will tell you everything you need to know. If you didn't think they're thinking about it now, you know they're thinking about it. Like, it's a thing now that everybody is on the plane thinking, I know there were five for 13 today, which looks okay, but it's those one or two times, like the sixth inning with the bases loaded and the seventh inning with the bases loaded. You get a good one, and I said this to you, and I was I lived it. You're going to get one good pitch and one good swing at bat, especially with dudes on base. you got to make them count. And for whatever reason... It's either for me. It looks like they're late, they're in between, they're guessing. I, I don't want to say they're not ready to hit because that that can't be right. Like the situation will tell you to get ready to hit. I like, want it, so I, I'm not going to go there. I it just this is a this is a pitching defensive team that those two parts of their game will take them as far as they're going to go. How's that? I think that that for me anyway is, is, is where we're at. Like they're going to out pitch and out defense teams to make the playoffs. Yeah, um, I mean that that that's good. And, and we've talked about the the pitching is way superior to what I thought it would be. But yeah, I uh, I just did not see this offensive the, these offensive issues manifesting. It's manifesting like it's like the Ryu Manoa thing. You're going to need an extra bullpen guy. Down the stretch here, yeah, because that's your strength. Like you're yeah. gonna, you're gonna need to give John all kinds of weapons to pockets. You know, Jordan Hicks is a pocket guy now. We can eliminate that no-brainer thing. Yesterday tells you all you need to know. Okay. There's a there's a lefty and a switch hitter that we want to flip around right-handed. If they thought he was a no-brainer with that hundred and two and that ninety-nine, he'd have been in the game, wouldn't he? So that's what they need, right? So there's a little competition when it comes to there. So you need to get that sort of figured out and ironed out. So down the stretch, and if you get some hits, and this is what I say when Bo comes back, you lean on that 527 
uh, slug and that 333 with runners in scoring position as much as you can. You put him in a spot where he's coming up instead of, I hate to say it, Blatty. And uh, Chapman's going to come up a bunch of times because he's hitting fifth, like because there's going to be traffic. So you hope he can, you know, have a solid swing and not have as much hand movement. I think that's what it is. He's got a little bit of a hitch. That's why he can elevate velocity to him. And hopefully he can iron that out and be a little bit more on time and get a big hit. But Bo is, when he comes back, he's important. Like, he's huge. I do like having Springer where he is right now, though. You do? I do. In the two-hole? And he's Boy, it wasn't a two-hole today. He was sitting clean. clean up. No, clean. I, I, I think I want to leave Springer in the middle of the order right now. I mean, I'll tell you what. Who would you rather have up? Right now, with a runner in scoring position, Vladdy oh. or George? Bo, obviously, but Vladdy or George? I mean, George is George is at least putting the ball in play. Yeah, Vladdy's not striking out either. No, but I mean, George, pardon me. You know, today an infield hit and a double. I, I mean, I'd, I'd frankly rather have George up there right now. What if I don't have an answer? Yeah, let me say it all. Uh, we've got tickets to give away to see the Jays and Cubs. We'll do that in the 6 o'clock hour. Russell Martin will join us. He nice. was, of course, the Blue Jays catcher 2000, from 2015 to 2018. He was teammates with Jose Bautista for three seasons in Toronto. One of the great images of, uh, of, of, of the bat flip uh, game is Russ Martin. Once Jose Bautista hits it, basically putting his hands together in prayer and closing his eyes because that basically we know that that yep. the whole issue with Russ Martin's throw off Shinshu Su Chu's bat and all that started. Yep. Uh, we'll be joined by Russell Martin, Eric Kratz. It's like an all catcher hour. Awesome. Eric Kratz, co-host of foul territory, former MLB catcher will be along. And uh, as I said, we've got Jay's tickets to give away, but when we come back, John Morosi of the MLB network joins us. I think we need to talk about the Seattle Mariners folks. I think we need to talk about the Mariners. Oh. It's Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jays are 4-3 losers this afternoon at Progressive Field in Cleveland to the Guardians. They will be home to start a brief homestand tomorrow against the Chicago Cubs. The Philadelphia Phillies are also coming into town. Saturday, of course, will be Jose Bautista Day. Uh, Jose Bautista will be going on to the level of excellence at the Rogers Center. We'll be joined at 6 o'clock by Russell Martin, Mm -hmm. one of his teammates. And a reminder, uh, if you are going to Saturday's game, Get there early. Oh, there are giveaways. Real early. Um, you all know about Toronto traffic. I don't have to tell you that. But if you're getting, if you're getting there, tell me about it. Is it bad? Mm. Word has it. Uh, if you're planning to go to that game, get there as early oh. as possible. We've got Jay's tickets to give away to see the Cubs later on in the show, and Eric Kratz, co-host of Foul Territory and former MLB catcher, wow, what a show! Will join us. It's like the catcher's hour. Wow. Uh, there's some other games played today with repercussions uh, for the Blue Jays and the wild card race. 
Uh, Kansas City and Boston have yet to play. The Baltimore Orioles beat the Houston Astros 5-4 to four today. Uh, Tampa Bay is also playing St. Louis. The, uh, the standings as, uh, where are the standings? Here we go. The standings as of this moment after today's Jays game. Baltimore is 71-44. Tampa 69-47. The Jays are 65-52. Boston 59-55. The Yankees are um, 59-56. Wow. I'm trying to find how, the How are the Yankees standings. three games above 500? I mean, they must have some games. They must have played some games against the Central. <laughs> it's the only thing I can think of. Oh. That's awful. I can't believe I said that. And the That's wild true. card standing, sure I can. Wild card standings, Tampa Bay's leading the wild card race. They're four and a half up. Houston is one and a half up. The Blue Jays have the last spot, but they are only one and a half games ahead of the Seattle Mariners. They are four and a half ahead of the Red Sox. Five ahead of the Yankees, and then you have to uh, you go to the L.A. Angels are six and a half back. Cleveland's eight and a half back. I mean, really, folks, it uh, it seems as if it's going to come down. Well, I'm still not writing off the Red Sox. I no. know that. No, I'm not writing off the Red Sox. I think tough you, schedule. you can stick a fork in the Yankees. But wow. uh, uh, you're right. The Red Sox schedule is mm. tough. And I'm also, quite frankly, not writing off the – I'm not writing off the Rays either in top wild card. I think with their injuries, the injuries they have, um, I, I mean, I think it's all to play for. Having said that, though, uh, we've got to talk about the Seattle Mariners. John Morosi of the MLB Network joins us. John, thanks for joining Barker and me today. Uh, how, how is Seattle doing this? I mean, I thought at the trade deadline, you know, we thought they were going to be sellers, and then they kind of, I mean, they got rid of Paul Seawall, but they didn't get rid of Teoscar Hernandez, and... I know people in Seattle were kind of throwing their arms up and, you know, Jerry DePoto, the mad professor, what's he doing, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. John, they won seven in a row and they're playing really good baseball and they've got some arm. I mean, they've got some electric arms. That's the only way to put it. Uh, they what, do. What explains the Mariners? Exactly that, the arms. And, and they, they even brought up uh, last night one of the other ones, Emerson Hancock, he goes five innings and one earned in his major league debut and helps him win a ball game. Uh, obviously, it was decided late he didn't get the win, but it's remarkable what great pitching will do. And I think I really want to compliment the Mariner front office on threading the needle here because, yes, they traded Seawald, but the guys that they got in that deal, a lot of them have made an impact immediately on this club. Last night's box score, you have Josh Rojas started the game at second base, and then Canzone came in as a pinch hitter off the bench. So, yes, they they sold nominally. They, they moved Seawald, but to your point, they had a depth of arms to replace him, and the guys they got for him went right to their major league roster. Colton Wong struggled a lot with the Mariners this year. They DFA'd him on the deadline day, so effectively Rojas stepped in and took his spot. So it was less a selling of your closer and more of a reallocation of your resources from your position where you've got excellent pitching. You wanted to bring in some position players. You could get multiple guys that helped your major league roster right away by trading one reliever. It's a good baseball trade. I like what they've done. And the other point I'll make big picture here, you made an excellent point about how frightening the standings have become for the blue Jays. They're actually even more frightening than they appear. And, and by that, I mean, if you look carefully at the moment now, the Jays and Mariners are tied in the loss column. So mm-hmm. from that standpoint, Seattle's got games in hand. They're tied in the loss column, and 
The other thing that we have to keep in mind here is what are the tiebreakers? Remember, there's no more game 163, so all the math decides it, and the season series is three games apiece. So that's the first tiebreaker. You move on to the second one, and the second one is intra-division record for Mm -hmm. your own division. And as you know, the Jays, that's not bad news for Toronto because the Jays, as you guys know well, have struggled mightily within their division, and Seattle has has played well even against the tougher teams like Houston. So at the moment, it would take a dramatic change. I, I see almost no situation in which the two teams would be tied and Seattle would not have the tiebreaker. So, so whatever the standings look like, it needs to be a plus-one game for Toronto. Um, so effectively what I'm telling you is they're tied. Yeah. Uh, the, the, whatever the standings say right now, I'm here to tell you that this race for that last wild card spot is effectively tied right now. And further to your point, the Jays are 11-23 and 23 inside the East. The Seattle Mariners in their own division are 19-11. and 11. So they're right. eight over in their own division. Uh, the Jays are 12 under. That is not going to change. Nope. It's, it's not going to change. And, and, like, mathematically, if you think about it, even if one team went really positive or negative in that direction, then they wouldn't be tied anymore <laughs> in yeah, the standings, if that, exactly. if that makes sense. So, so in almost any circumstance in which the tiebreaker is in play, the tiebreaker is going to favor the Seattle Mariners. Uh, JP, if you had to bet Jeff's check between Boston and the Yankees, because they're, you know, a little bit behind Seattle, but they're right there, five, I think, five, five and a half out of the wild card. Which team are you betting on to make a run at it? Boston. I think the Yankees are uh, – I think Jeff was exactly right yeah. as we began this segment. I, I'm not seeing any – and I've seen the Yankees a lot this year. I've checked in with them at different times. I've seen them play a fair amount. At no point in time have I looked at this team and said they're about to go on a run here. Mm-hmm. It's just, in some respects, like to Jeff's point, it's almost remarkable that they're in as good of a standing as they are because it feels like this year has been one big struggle after another for the Yankees. And Rizzo's on the I.L. with concussion issues, and LeMahieu hasn't really had a very good year. Bader has been injured a lot this season. Judge is obviously back now, but they've been mediocre this is a mediocre team and and the the point that that i'll that i've made before and it's it's actually remarkable that we're not talking about this in the context of the rangers when you sign someone like jacob Degrom to that kind of a salary and he gives you almost nothing because of injury in the case of jake uh, it's really hard to overcome that and yet the rangers are one of the best teams in baseball right now the yankees have gotten like zero from rodon i believe one win last mm-hmm. i checked the whole season from him. And and when you spend that amount of money, it's, it's been compounded by the way the rest of the rotation has performed. Cole has been great. Cole is in the Cy Young conversation. But virtually everybody else, Cortez has been injured since the start of the season. Severino has been a mystery. Herman has obviously gone for the year. There's just There's a lot of issues right now with that Yankee rotation to where when it's not Cole's day to pitch, you're just sort of, thrashing around saying where where is that that life preserver that i can cling to and there's just there's not one for them right now the bullpen's been fine and i that's where i think with all due respect to the front office there i have a much easier time understanding why the angels bought and why they tried to do the best they can with shohei 
and th- than I can why the Yankees did not look at their team with a clear-eyed assessment and say, what are we doing here? Well, why mm-hmm. don't we trade a couple relievers? We're not, we're not going anywhere. I realize you're the Yankees, but once upon a time they traded Miller and Chapman in the same year. I, I just I am baffled as to why they are in the situation they're in. I mean, big picture and why this roster has not performed better. With Boston, check out one guy in particular that I think is going to be a, a name we talk about a lot in the American League East for a long time. Check out Tristan Costas' numbers over the last two months. Yeah. He has become a legit all-star level first base. And so I think Boston, there's just an energy about them that I think, um, even though they don't have as much talent as the Yankees, they're playing a little better baseball. And Alex Cora, I think, is one of the difference-making managers in the game. And I think he's got this team playing about as well as they can. Even though the Verdugo drama has not helped, uh, they're still a better ball club on the field right now than the Yankees. JP, that's an interesting point. I, I, I wondered this time of the year, is it easier for teams? Because this is more about the Blue Jays sort of in this conversation. I want to bring this around to this time of the year. I think it would be easier. You mentioned the Red Sox there to get back some pitching that could help you sort of go where you want to go. Like the Blue Jays now, I think offensively, have we come to the realization they are what they are? Like it's maybe we're at the point of the season where I think we're begging that this team sort of gets catches on fire with runners in scoring position and can consistently say, I don't want to say one through nine, it's a lot to ask. But the big boys that should right. be getting the big hit are going to all of a sudden start to get the big hit. Do you think we're there yet? Yeah, I, I, it's a great point, Kevin. And today's game was – was really kind of odd in a couple of different ways. Actually, with, with men in scoring position, it was better than usual for the Jays. They were five, they were five for 13, but they still left 10 guys on base. Yeah. So that, that, like the math on that almost doesn't make any sense. And I think Springer, obviously, the frustration is there. You know, he had played better over the last several games, and then all of a sudden the ejection happens. Uh, obviously, that pitch went against the Jays, and it was unfortunate in that spot. But still, that's an inning where the Jays needed to get more than two runs in that inning. And, and I think that I, th- this may sound a little bit subjective, but you, but you kind of need a, a, an offense to fit into one of two categories. Either they're a, a consistent threat with home runs, like the way that the Yankees lineup has been built in a lot of years, where we're like, you're a home run threat, one through nine, kind of like how Texas is at the moment, that kind of a lineup. Yep. Or like the Cubs have become the so surprisingly in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So like – a, a threat at any time. The Jays should be that way, but they're not. So that you either have to have that kind of a lineup or the big inning. And, and if you can play for the big inning and you can string some hits together, like the Royals used to do it when they won the World Series in 15, that was the kind of team that when they beat the Jays in the playoffs that year, that was a big inning team. That was Hosmer, Mustakas, Perez. They weren't like 50 homer guys but they knew how to hit and the strengths and hits together. Zobrist was that kind of a player. The Jays are like neither of those things. They do not. They are not like a perpetual home run threat that, that tires out the other team's pitchers. And they also like today's seventh inning, they needed more than two runs. I, I know a two run inning is fine, but that was the game. They needed more right then. And I just think that they, to your point, they are who they are. Now, rather remarkably, I want to make this point on the positive side. They're still 6-4 and four since Bo left the lineup. Yeah. And so if, if, if you are a Jays fan that when Bo got hurt, you said, oh, my gosh, the season's over, we're completely lost now, that's false. They've actually, they've actually played pretty well since then. I mean, 6-4 and four record without your best player, 
is actually a pretty good tribute. Now, they've had to win these super low-scoring games. This, this series in Cleveland was obviously tight games throughout, and it's sort of emblematic of what you're going to have to face when you're going into the playoffs. And I just think this is a team with, with a lot of really good pros. It's, it, there's, they got great guys on this team. I, I really like the personality of this group. They're just a little bit short in performance against the big teams and against the tough pitching staff to where that Seattle team, the thing about the difference, I guess what I would say at the moment is Seattle's pitching is every bit as good as Toronto's and, and probably better. And their lineup right now is, is more athletic and has a lot more energy right now. What? And, and I think the Jays just, they look flat and, and it's, there's a lot of schedule left guys for, for the Mariners to pass them by. Uh, how do you think the baseball world looks at Blatty? Like he's uh, right now it, that at some point, what's the, the great Bill Parcells line? You are what your record says you are. Mm-hmm. What, what the record says he is right now is an average first baseman. That's, that's what the numbers say. He is an average first baseman. They, they've needed him at, at some point to – everybody sort of has to pass the baton. And Bo, as we're seeing, obviously he's on the injured list right now. You can't carry the team for six months. And, and I think that in the case of, of Vlad, there was a time where he needed to pick up the baton, and it just hasn't happened. You know, there's a very big difference. It's a 100-point 100, 100 difference is huge here. He's, his, he, right now he's checking into the 787 OPS. If he was 8, 887, it'd be a much different conversation. But 787 out of your first baseman, there's a lot of first basemen in the league who can do that. There really are. I mean, like he's he, he is he's got a superstar personality. He's he's had an MVP type season. And by the way, look, I just mentioned the Cubs. Cody Bellinger had it, MVP, lost it, and now he's gotten it back. It's still in there, and somebody's always going to be able to take to take a chance on Vladdy's ability because somewhere in there it's still there. But the and this is tough. But the reality is, all those different numbers and comparisons we're putting out there about what his contract was going to be. To be honest, guys, he's nowhere close to that right now. He's just not. And he, he might he might get back there, but the time is short for him to prove that he is still an elite, elite player, and to get that elite player extension out of the Jays. I, they would just say, if, if he walked in and said, I believe I deserve this extension based on these, these elite players, the, the Jays, I would, ex, I would expect, would pull up a spreadsheet and say, here are the 10 to 12 to 15 first basemen who are playing better than you right now. I mean, it's, there's a lot of guys in that category. And so if you're not, and that's the position, and Kevin, you know this from playing the game as long as you have, mm-hmm. like first baseman. Like you're supposed to be able to be a significant home run threat at that position. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not, I mean, there's, there's guys, okay. Keith Hernandez didn't have to hit 600 homers to be a great first baseman, but there's not a lot of guys like that. I mean, and his defense is good, but he's not, you know, Keith Hernandez, Vic power. I mean, to go back from a previous era, mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is the, the bar is high. He still can do it. He's a great guy, great young man, everything he's done, but he's just, Falling short in production right now. That's as simple as it is. Yeah. Further to your point, since Bo has gone out of the lineup, Vladdy is eight for thirty-two with three extra base hits, three runs batted in, and one home run. Wow. I, I, I mean, and 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 two doubles. And yeah, look, I you know Barker kind of rolled his eyes at me when I said when when Bo went down, I said hey, this is Vladdy's got to step up here. And and as far as we know, we have no idea when Bo is going to be back. 
Um, apparently, we heard today he's not really started running full tilt on the bases. Uh, I don't think he's going to be back, certainly, this weekend. He may not be back in this homestand. If I'm the Blue Jays, quite frankly, I'm taking as much time as I can to let Bo heal. Now, I understand you need him back, but I can't avoid this becoming a chronic condition for Bo Bichette. And, I mean, Vladdy, Barker made the point today, 35th in baseball in total bases. 24.28 at-bats between home runs this year. That's 56th in baseball. And if you're a Jays fan, I, I mentioned this, John, a little earlier, if you really want to have your eyes open, go and look at Vladdy's home numbers in his career. Take out the stuff he did at TD Bank Ballpark in Salem Field, and you're kind of left with just, you're left with an okay, an okay player. I, I, I can't put it any other way. Right. The, the numbers... At some point, the numbers don't lie, and the numbers say that he is an average first baseman right now. That's, I mean, there, that is just, it's an indisputable fact. <laughs> the numbers yeah. say it. I mean, that's, that's exactly what he is. And, and I think this is where, you know, it, it's a really difficult position for the front office to be in for these two things that we're talking about the near term and the long term. You're exactly right. When do you make that calculated risk with Bo? It's almost like a it's like a three dimensional decision. Mm-hmm. At what point in time in the season is he able to potentially tolerate the pain and play on it from September or whatever point of of August through the end of you hope the end of October? How long can he tolerate it? Are you risking a, a chronic situation? Once he comes back, how do you manipulate the roster spots? Because certainly he's not going to be able to play shortstop every single day. Um, at this point when he's That's coming right. back, you're trying to really be gentle on the knee, especially on turf. So there's just, there's a lot of variables there. And then I think the big picture is, is if you've decided that, and this we're a ways away from this, but at some point they have to confront this. If you've decided that this is, this is the team that basically, okay, that we can't expect this group to play that much better with this personnel next year. Do you do you even perish the thought here of trading Vladdy when his value is down because you just have to have a different plan of attack? I mean, there's there's a lot of questions right now that I've got that I I just think then um, the Jays they'll do their homework they'll look around the league and see what options exist, but it, it's they're they're stuck. I mean, they're they're stuck because you've got a franchise type player who is not playing like a franchise type player, and the industry knows it, and everybody's going to be hoping that they're getting the next Cody Bellinger who's going to bounce back and play, play like an MVP for them, but there's no way that the Jays will be able to get an MVP price in return. So it's, it's, uh, it is a riddle wrapped in an enigma right now for the Jays with this roster. Yep. John, really good of you to do this, man. Terrific insight. Thanks so much. Yeah, you nailed it, buddy. Thank you. I enjoyed the conversation, guys. Thanks for everything. See Take ya. care. John Morosi of the MLB Network. That's an interesting point John made as well. You think about this. If Bo comes back and he has to DH – that takes that bats away from belt. That takes kind of changes the way you use Kirk. Yep. And it's possible that he's going to have to DH. Maybe a lot more. Maybe a lot more. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I can't, I can't, I cannot take it. I mean, Bo's the best player in the organization right now. I cannot take a chance on long-term injury to Bo Bichette. Well said. I just can't. Yep. Uh, it's time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers, it's a whole new game. Mm. Hey, Mark Boffo. 
What's up, guys? Hey, um, how are you, hey, Bob? I'm awesome. You doing all right in there? I mean, I would have liked uh, a Jay's win, maybe, but I mean, hey. Oh, oh, well, fingers crossed, uh, my you're friend. Begging. Yeah, you're begging. <laughs> Can you hit? Uh, Go oh. ahead. I'm just kidding. Uh, all right, are well, you? we're. No. Go ahead. <laughs> We're taking it to the West Coast today. It's Rockies at Dodgers. Uh, oh, boy. Rockies and Dodgers. Ty Block and Clayton Kershaw expected to return Ooh. for Los Ooh. Angeles. Bet Rivers has the over-under set at eight and a half runs. Is this going over or under? What do you guys say? I would take the Dodgers at eight and a half runs. They've averaged like <laughs> seven runs in the last. Yeah, this is going over. But it, it, for both teams, eight and a half, are you sure? I wouldn't lie to you ever. Yeah, well, you would. You have. But, I, I yeah, Barker. Yeah, I'm taking the over. The, the, the Rockies have allowed the six most runs on the road. The Dodgers the last 15 days have scored the third most yeah. runs. I'm taking the over. I, I 100% agree with you. This is more about the Dodgers than the Rockies. The Rockies... The Rockies stink. Yeah. The Dodgers are really good, and they're really good at home. Yeah. No, and, and as we said, they've been, uh, you know, I mean Freeman and Betts. They've they've just been they've been scoring a ton of runs. They've been scoring a ton of runs recently, and I I see no reason why. Yep. Why that would stop now? I'm with you. Uh, the Dodgers are. It's weird because you look at that team and you go, yeah, they should be better, and then you look at them and go, yeah, they're still pretty good. But I I think the thing with the Dodgers is because of the pitching. Like I wouldn't be afraid of facing the Dodgers in the postseason. Yeah, I don't know what you do about the I lineup. Wouldn't. The first two dudes in the lineup. Well, I, what do you do with that? Like it's best you know, top you, you best got, top top two in in the game. Top of the order. Yeah, well, uh, well, that Braves lineup's pretty good too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Acuna Jr. and, and Olson. That, that's 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 <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty, that's pretty good too. So yeah, I mean, it's right up there. Like I don't know, you got two Hall of Famers back to back. Yeah, and one's You're righty and one's candidates. lefty. What do you do? How do you match up? And the lefty hits lefties better than he hits righties. Like, and he hits the elevated fastball. Yeah. I good luck. Uh, Russell Martin was a Blue Jays catcher from 2015 to 2018. He was teammates with Jose Bautista, of course, for three seasons in Toronto. Jose Bautista going up in the level of excellence at the Rogers Center. And Saturday, it's going to be a grand celebration. And Russell Martin will join us next. It's Blair and Barker on the Sportsnet Radio Network and Sportsnet. 